Hello and welcome back to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club. In this episode, I'll, I'll, I'll try to finish up my thoughts about If This Goes On, uh, which is a significant portion of Revolt in 2100. Uh, that was, of course, put together later as a, as a mix-up. Sorry, I'm developing a bit of a cold here, so I'll try to make this quick. I'm not endure to my, to my voice for too long. Um, so... Um, what I have in front of me is the actual astounding version um, by Heinlein that was later developed in Revolt in 2100. Um, but I'm also familiar with what was added later. Um, it doesn't really matter. The story is uh, very similar. I would say the if this goes on the original publication, it's a little more focused on the action. The adventure, the central love story, and all that in the... Uh, revolt in 2100 it gets a little bit more into the politics of the revolt the philosophy of the revolt against this theocratic american government ran ran by the prophet named scudder uh actually scudder is the same name for the prophet that starts a puritan revolution in for us to living so there is a parallel there obviously these were ideas he was playing with in that novel um now this is not happening in 2100 though so um Revolt in 2100 is actually referring to later resistance movements. Um, but we'll get to that when we get to Coventry and the other uh, selections in that, in that mix-up. Picks-up, whatever. Kind of a common thing in, in Heinlein's career. We got, of course, Universe, um, which becomes Chariots of the Sky. And I think there's a few others. Methuselah's children as well. Anyways, um, enough banding about. Let's talk about the second half of the story. The second half of the story really centers on um, John Lyle joining the resistance movement and becoming a member of that struggle. The first half dealt with more how he got involved in that struggle, really through love, um, through his love for the sister Juliet, the sister Juliet, and his desire to help her, and um, you know, just save her from the clutches of the prophet and all that. It's much more of a standard love story. Um, and in the second half, we still end with an uh, uh, adventure, a kind of a love adventure kind of thing. Well, the love gets kind of passed over. It's not center, but we still get a big action scene at the end where the rebels are attacking New Jerusalem, defeating uh, the last bastion of, of Scudder and the Prophet. And then when they finally get in, they find that the virgins, these women who are forced to be sex slaves for the Prophet every night, you know, actually murdered Scudder. So that kind of ends that regime. Kind of like a Hitler's last days in a bunker kind of kind of situation. Um, what is going on a lot in the second half of the story then is is how this revolution works. It's something that Heinlein's actually quite interested in. So I guess I'll just come out and say it that there's a lot of math here, um, and I don't know. I get maybe it was John Campbell who said like we need more math. This revolution just can't be action. It just can't be a fight. It's got it just can't be theory either. You got to actually work out what are the chances of success. So for instance, with the assassinations, that's always computed. Like how many men do you lose per assassination, right? If you lose every one man for every assassination, that's not really effective in terms of the recruitment cost, 
the investment you get in each agent, you know, but losing some, of course, is part of the game. So, you know, everyone has their suicide pills and things, so hopefully they won't be captured. But there's a lot of concern about just how many losses can you afford before the to play the long game of revolt. It's very much like Maoist theory, actually, if you're familiar with that. So in um, in Maoist theory, essentially, the, at least there's a lot to Maoist theory, but um, and of course I wasn't around when Heinlein wrote this, but um, you know, revolutionary theory maybe went out there. Um, I mean, that's possible. I just don't know how much was read in the West. Of course, Mao was writing some stuff on insurrection and guerrilla warfare maybe back in the 30s and 40s. Um, but I don't, I don't think it was till the 60s that Maoist theory got to the West. In, um, but who knows? Maybe it's there. Um, I, I thought with the, the Vietnam War, there was more consciousness, understanding of how these kinds of ins these rural insurrections work. But the idea is essentially you play the infinite game, right? You don't play to win. You don't play for a decisive victory. You just outlast the enemy's capacity and willingness to fight. And if they're playing to win, and you're not playing to win, you're not playing to have a victory, you will eventually win because it's... Um, it's like a, you start out maybe with a 1% chance of victory, but as long as you never lose, right, that chance is going to increase, 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 and eventually it's going to tip over, right? And so that's what's sort of happening here, too, with the calculations that go into the planning of the revolt, um, where you have characters saying, like, what is our chance of success? It's, it's 2 to 1, right? Or it's 2.2 to 1.3. Um, is that good enough? And then someone raises their hand and says, well, it's maybe good enough to seize power, but it's not good enough to sustain power, right? To sustain power, we're going to need um, education, re-education of the population. We're going to have to de-Christianize you know, de them. We're going to have to uh, you know, deal with loyalists to the prophet. We're going to have to deal with all these issues, and we're not capable of doing that right now. So victory itself is not the whole equation. You also have to have an equation based on ultimate success. So uh, a lot of that math goes into it. And I, I, and I wonder if that was Heinlein's initial intention to really make this about the mathematics, the theory of, of, of how revolutions actually achieved on the ground, or if this was something that Campbell wanted to add later. It, it seems um, his style, to be honest. Now, the other thing I really want to talk about in uh, this episode is the thing that's definitely much more... Um, Heinlein's introduction, which is the sexual politics of the revolt. So there's a scene where one of the comrades is like, Lyle, let's get your towel, let's go swimming. And anyways, he goes, and there's women there, and the women strip naked, and it's like a nudist bathing. And this becomes an opportunity for, for Heinlein to lecture our hero, Lyle, about the, the his oppressive morality, I guess, about his... Um, the morality he grew up with, what he's been given from his parents, what he's been given from his culture, from his old upbringing. So this is an important thing. It's one thing to join a movement because of, of love, because of um, material conditions that force it. Um, you know, I, I do think most people don't join purely for ideological reasons, these kind of movement cultures. You know, they're not thinking um, that much about the theory. The theory is a product and the practice of that revolution, they're all products of the revolution being acted out itself and being engaged with. Um, so, yeah, so he's obviously a sexual Puritan at the start of the novel. He's a guard. He's a soldier for the prophet. He's been educated in that system. He assumes 
the Bible is the source of of religious truth and moral truth about sexuality. And um, once he's exposed to the rebellion, he accepts it, but he doesn't change his views about sexuality. He's still very much obsessed with monogamy, for instance. He uh, still wants to marry Sister Judith and put her into his life. Now, that fails ultimately. He, he's not able. She has to marry someone else and move on with her life because he's engaged in the revolution. It's a price he pays for, for victory. But um, he's still thinking in terms of monogamy and... and um, traditional gender norms and and this is kind of revealed in the fact you don't you're not supposed to see women naked seeing women naked is who are your wife i suppose is is a big sin right remember this was a culture based on um the inquisition right i complained in the last episode how i think there's a little bit too much focus on on kind of european um, metrics of what uh a society this like would look like like the imagery Institutions seem to come more from a European Christianity than American Christianity. That's fine, though, um, but it's still Inquisition and confessional based. And, you know, the Inquisition will get you to confess your crimes. It's not even very Protestant, actually. It's more Catholic for the sense we get. So it's, it's a little mixed up. That's okay. The point is he he's able to eventually break free of that or at least have those ideas challenged and come to accept a more libertarian attitude about bodies and sexuality and there's actually a turning point in the text where he goes from seeing someone as like unclothed which is like a sin to just seeing them as naked it's a woman right and so when he first when she first took off his clothes she was he's he sees her as unclothed which is a horrific sin but when um after they hang out a while in this bathing party um this swimming party he starts to just see her as naked, just not happen to have clothes on. It's not a part of her. So it's, it's kind of like this nudist theory, which we know Heinlein was, was quite interested in. So we see with uh, we see a little bit about how the revolution um, actually works and its strategies. Uh, Lyle started the book as like a lower level agent who was like faking his, uh, takes over someone else's identity in order to be kind of a secret agent of the revolt. Um, and eventually he becomes a colonel, is moved up, is in charge of troops, and this eventually just becomes the rebellion itself. So that's all I'm going to say because my throat really is quite sore and I don't want to keep talking too much um, until I start feeling better. So, but I wanted to get this episode out before uh, Chinese New Year holiday begins. So I apologize for that, but it'll be okay. Um, I'll say more about this series of stories when we get to Coventry, which will be shortly. It might even be next. So that's um, that's coming up shortly. So as always, thanks for listening. Sorry for the brief episode. It's just really wrapping up a few um, themes. There's probably a lot more you could say about it. So in this case, I'll really leave it to you. Tell me more of what you thought of If This Goes On by Robert A. Heinlein. I'll especially focus on things I didn't emphasize because uh, it'd be really useful for our listeners. So um, that's all for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.